When I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. Welcome back to Draft Buzz. My name is Walter, and oh my God, it's another prospect preview of the draft. That's right, the draft is right around the corner. I got to give you guys a little bit of a preview. I'm sure you've already gotten your previews from other places like Blockbuster and Netflix and Chilled and then watch Disney+. Plus. But no, this is a different kind of preview, everybody. Not before the movie, but it is the movie. That's right. Today, we're talking edge rushers. I love this edge rusher class, mainly because I think teams that are going to benefit from this edge rusher class are teams that are not typically getting like the top edge rusher in a pass rushing class. Because Let's put it this way. Chase Young went number two overall last year. Um, before that, Nick Bosa went two overall. Before that, you had Miles Garrett, who went number one overall. Uh, you can go back to 2014 with Jadavian Clowney going number one overall. We have these years where we have all these great pass rushers going really high. Bradley Chubb went top 10 uh, in 2018. So we have uh, pass rushers usually don't get out of the top 10. And in order for them to do so, they have to have warts. There has to be like an industry, they have to have issues of distinguishing them from the other players in the class, maybe some question marks. And I like question marks. I like the down and dirty. I like this class because it's deep and it's fun and it's thick and it's freaking crazy. It's just so hard to figure out where certain guys stack. And you know what? We're going to get right into it. Tier one of all my edge rushers, right? There's three guys in tier one, really. Um,. It maybe would have been split differently, but I have to keep uh, Phillips in this tier because the I think to, I only uh, it's weird because this is the talent tier. So Phillips really should belong in his own tier of talent, right? He's got like that gold star level of talent. Now keep in mind he's a little bit more of an older prospect, not too old though. He's not too crazy old, so he's not he's not like tw he's not like Carlos Basham old. He's like in his he's twenty two, I think. Um, he's got some experience though. And a lot of his production came against the right tackle in a lot of teams. But on the other end, he's still my favorite guy to watch being a pass rusher in this class because I think as a 4-3 DN, I mean, first off, you, show, you saw his pro day. He showed elite athleticism at the pro day. It shows on tape. Uh, Jalen Phillips has a teammate. His name is Gregory Rousseau. He's not going to be in Tier 1. Uh, tier 1 is is Jalen Phillips, Pay, and Aziz Ojulari. Right, those three guys are in my tier one. I maybe Phillips deserves his own tier of his own because he is kind of a different league. He has the concussion question marks. Uh, he has the level. Of, you know, he's going up against the right tackles. But what you see him do, he you know his hand usage, his lateral mobility, his ability to break on the inside, and and uh, again, I think he is a. Just trying to make sure everything's working right here. Uh, he has the the ability to win off the edge in multiple different ways. As a power rusher, he could break to the inside. He can get to the outside. He can corner really well. I think if it wasn't for the concussion issues, he'd be a top 10 player in this draft. Unfortunately, those are real issues. I've said it before on live streams, and I've said it before in, in other shows. The issue with taking Jalen Phillips in the first round is... The five-year survival rate for a player without concussion issues is 36% in the NFL. With a player with concussion issues, the five-year survival rate is 11%. You are talking about less than one-third the shot of a player making it to five years. You are drafting Jalen Phillips in the first round. You are expecting him to make it to five years. You are literally doing it at one-third the odds. That being said, I love the player. I hope he gets drafted highly. I hope he makes his bank because I honestly love it when players make money. 
Um, so Jalen Phillips is the first guy. Quiddy Pay and Azizo Jolari, I, I can never get the right order for them, right? And they're probably going to be the first two that come off the board. I think Quiddy Pay comes off first. Uh, 262, big DN. He's got solid lateral mobility. Only played four games this year. Um, but dear God, he's, he's got, he, his movement skills are great. He, I, I, I think he was the first or second guy I watched this year of all prospects. And, uh, what he, you know, yes, does he sometimes lose track of where the ball is? Sure. But man, he's athletic. He's got a great motor. He's a good hustler. He, he can split double teams. Like he's a guy who, if you were going to try and double him, he will try to fight and find a way to get into the backfield um i i think you know he was used a lot on stunts in some games showed very good in the run game very good awareness of where the the run game is going uh he's good at getting upfield and being where he's supposed to be uh he has a clear plan on either being used he has a clear plan on how to be utilized on what he's going to be doing and, and trying to keep a qb in the pocket uh, he had a, a six three seven three cone that was not part of his pro day. That was more. That was a video he sent to PFF and around the world. Um, but he does have some ridiculous traits. He is a very traitsy kind of player. Like I said, two sixty two. Um, him and Azizo Jolari and Ronnie Perkins, I believe, lead the class in pass rush win rate. Uh, I should have that information available. But otherwise, I again, I think. Quiddy Pay is like what you want in a D end if you can't get Jalen Phillips. He's the next best thing. I think he he had a high pressure rate um last year. Let me see if I could find those notes on this. Um draft notes. There we go. It's not in my regular notes folder. It's a different folder that it's on. It should be on here somewhere. Oh, here we go. Quiddy Pay, Ronnie Perkins, and Azizo Jalari had a 25% pass rush win rate by PFF. I'm trying to see if I have a Jalen Phillips number. Jalen Phillips was closer to 20. That's still not bad. That's very good. So, again, all these guys, you want them to be at least 18% on pass rush win rate. Uh, that's a very good threshold to kind of shoot for. All three of these guys had solid pass rush win rates by PFF. Um, so, I, I think that's a, a good way to go about it. I loved watching Quiddy Pay's film. I loved watching Azizo. Oh, these guys were magnetic to watch. Azizo Jolari and Quiddy Pay, you would turn on their film. Two totally different kind of, I mean, they're totally different, but two totally different kind of players. Both are good against the run. Like Azizo Jolari's 249. He's got some legit length to him as far as his arms. He's got the, the, uh, he's got the arm length of a guy who's like 6'4", 6'5", and he's 6'2". I think he might be a hard guy to hit trying to you know block off the line of scrimmage. So his body's type is is going to be rough to deal with. Uh, his three cone didn't come in great. Came in at two seven uh, seven two seven, which is not amazing for an edge rusher. Uh, it's kind of higher than you want, but it's not like it's not elite level. Like Quiddy Pays was expected to be elite level. Jalen Phillips, uh, I don't, I, I think he had a good three cone as well. He was I think sub seven, and then also um. Another guy we'll talk about a little bit later, Jason Owe, had a sub-7-3 cone. So these guys are good, you know, have good change of direction skills. And it shows in their athletic score and shows in their athletic testing. Uh, with Azizo Jolari, that's not the case. Uh, his bend comes more from his ankle inflection and the hips and his 
just a way to get around. I think he, if you like Yannick Ngakwe as a player, you wanted him on your team this year, I think he's very similar to Yannick Ngakwe. And in fact, we've seen guys like Brian Burns, Yannick Ngakwe, Shaq Barrett. We've seen guys who are in that mold, that size, that, that range of athleticism be good in the NFL. So I'm not afraid to take a guy like Aziz Ojolari, especially because he's better than what Caleb on Chason was coming out last year. So I think he deserves to be a first-round pick. Where he goes in the first round, Aziz Ojolari, is going to really depend on the team. Uh, I know my team really likes him. They've talked to him a few times, the Browns. Uh, the Quiddy Pay, I think, is going to go top 15. I think his floor is 14. I think Quiddy Pay's floor is 14 to the Minnesota Vikings, and he can go anywhere higher than that. I don't think he goes higher than 10. To, I think the Cowboys might like him. I think they prefer Sertain, though, but they could totally take Quiddy Pay at, at 10. Uh, and I think Quiddy Pay can be anywhere between there. I think his floor is 14, unless the, the Vikings decide to take the risk on Jalen Phillips. I think he's going to be the first edge rusher off the board. Um, if it's not there, I'm sure he could fall out of that, though, because after that, uh, 15 overall is the Patriots. They're probably trying to go after the quarterback situation, try to, you know, shore up their offense a little bit. 16, I don't see that, you know, the Cardinals are probably going to go cornerback if they can't get corner, probably wide receiver if one of the, the good wide receivers falls. 17, like, yes, Quiddy Pay, if he falls past 14, it could be a steep fall. I think then he gets to, like, maybe that, that 20s range. I think maybe he'd go to the Colts. I think they would like him a lot, although they definitely need tackle help. Um, they'll probably be playing a very dangerous game of catch the knife if they draft an edge rusher and not a tackle in the first round because I think the the tackles are going to go quick in the top 50 picks, and I don't think there will be one there that the Colts will like in the second round as much as they like as the one in the first round. So, again, Pay, I really like. I think, uh, like I said before, really powerful, stands up well against blockers in the run game, splits double teams, uh, well, even when they're doing a pure pass set, so you're talking about a guy who's breaking through multiple guys trying to stop him getting to the quarterback. Um, Aziz Ojolari, I think Aziz Ojolari had maybe some of the most fun film to watch, one of my favorite prospects. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm trying to go through all my notes right now because my notes are not done in the order. Okay, Aziz Ojolari. Like I said, Ngakwe-style pass rusher. Uh, ended up on the ground a couple times, and that did worry me a little bit. I think the Cincy game actually might have wor- a, a game that he got a lot of notoriety for because he got multiple sacks, got a forced fumble against the backup offensive tackle. Uh, when James Hudson was in there, he actually handled Aziz pretty well, and that's what worries me. Now, James Hudson's been touted as potentially a developmental tackle. Um, I know he used to play D-tackle. He's kind of relatively early in his career with that. Um but, like, Aziz still caused pressure in that game even when Hudson was in the game. Uh, they ran a little bit more of an exotic defense in that, and it wasn't. And Aziz Ojolari was not always on the field. I think that's another issue that people might pay attention to. He did not play a ton of snaps this year. There's going to be a lot of guys who are in that first-round defensive player uh, talk, whether it's Barmore or Aziz Ojolari, who did not play a bunch of snaps. They were taken off the field on different downs. And at that point, if you're a role player in college, what are they treating you as in the NFL? That's the one issue I think I have with Aziz Ojolari was he, he wasn't on the field every down. Um, some teams might not mind that. You get a guy who's a solid role player. I like him a lot. I think you know, he, he played really well against the, you know, against the run. Um, anytime there was a true pass set, 
the offensive tackle was in trouble a lot of the time. Uh, in fact, the Auburn game, I think Bo Nix was rolling out constantly to avoid Aziz Ojolari. Um, Aziz just was a game wrecker in every, a, a, a lot of the time. And I think he was, you know, the Alabama game, man, he's just stacking up guys. Um, I, I think I wrote for the Alabama game Vic Beasley to uh, Von Miller Spectrum, where there's like those guys who are kind of like, and yeah, we've seen guys like Vic Beasley not work out. I think there was a lot of talk recently that maybe that was more of a between the ears issue. Um, I actually listened to an interview with uh, Teron Davenport. He follows the Titans, and he said, I think the issue with Vic Beasley was more of a want-to-play-football kind of thing. I think he's currently on the Raiders now. Um, kind of also fits the si- size and scheme, like style of Tack McKinley. So I, I kind of would be intrigued to see him go maybe to the Browns. Um, also, if you're a team that runs a lot of 3-4, maybe he could be an edge rusher there. I think I had the Jets taking him in my most recent mock draft. So I think he can go anywhere outside the top 15. I think teams are going to jump on him because I think just what he does as a pass rusher would be useful for a lot of teams. Um, and again, we've seen guys like Yannick and Gakwe work. So we talk about the top three, right? Uh, Jalen Phillips, I, listen, Jalen Phillips looks like, like if you wanted to craft a defensive lineman in this draft and then give him one giant knock, they could totally knock him down a board. That's what they did to him. Quiddy Pay, I, I honestly think Quiddy Pay is going to be the first one to go and he's going to go top 15. Uh, but if he doesn't go top 15, the fall could be kind of steep. He could make it to the Browns. He could make it past the Colts. He could make it to, you know, the 20s. Uh, because I think the next set of teams might value different players differently. Uh, and, and again, I think, I just think what he does and does so well, I kind of like a lot. Um, Jason Owe is, is the, he's in the next tier, his own tier, because his athleticism's crazy. Uh, not because of the athleticism. I think the athleticism is a good part of his game. Um, a lot of people made a big deal about the Ohio State game, uh, where he didn't get a, he didn't get a single sack this season. You're gonna hear that talked about a lot. Um, but they also he was creating havoc in a lot of games, getting pressures, uh, getting into the backfield. He, I think, part of it was coaching. I think he was coached a lot to to stop the run and and to play the run first. I think that was a big part of it. People talk about the Ohio State game, but he was playing against Justin Fields, who's a super athletic quarterback. And again, you're talking about a team that played in the 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 college football championship, and you're saying he couldn't get a sack against that team. Well, part of it was part of it was he was playing contained. Part of it was he was playing more of a five tech role. He wasn't, I think the one issue I had with Jason Owe on some of the games was they were not putting him in the most advantageous role to get a, uh, to get a pressure, to get a sack. He was, uh, he was rushing a lot of the time at five technique. He was playing a lot of the time, the run. Um, they were giving Shaka Tony a little bit more of, uh, you know, uh, they were giving him a little bit more room to rush where he was rushing from the nine, where he's a little bit further outside the shoulder of the offensive tackle. So, oh wait, a lot of the time, especially like in the Ohio State game, he was not getting the the benefit of being schemed up open. He They threw a lot of doubles his way. They knew, Ohio State knew he was the dangerous guy there because he got doubled. Um, he was really good at bull rushing guys and getting them in the backfield. Sometimes I feel like the the lateral quickness that he, that he showed in the three cone doesn't always show up on tape 
I think part of that is is he just doesn't know how to utilize the lateral quickness. Uh, you know, he's shoving guys into the backfield. Meanwhile, it's like, dude, you now have the ability to maybe use a push pull and get around the guy, or you know, step to the side, or like again, get around him. And again, if you're rushing him, again, he rushed a lot of times from points that were not the most advantageous. If he was rushing from say uh, the the nine spot, I think he'd be. You know, you, you didn't get to see him corner off of doing something like that, like you saw Shaka Tony in a lot of games. If you had him doing that, uh, to have to handle him around the edge in his bend, I think would be a real problem. He did not show all that bend a lot in, uh, like I said, in uh, college. I think part of that was usage. And I think he's just a, a crazy disruptor. I think uh, the team that gets him... You're getting a true 4-3 DN who plays the run really well and shows the upside and athleticism to really become a true headache. Um, so unlike, you know, and we're going to talk about guys in the next tier, and I'll probably bounce back to him in a little bit. So the next tier is about four guys deep, right? This is why I say it's a deep edge class, and there's really not a lot differentiating these guys. Um, there's a lot, but it's kind of more taste, flavor kind of deal. So I have Carlos Basham. Joseph Osai, Gregory Rousseau, and Peyton Turner in the next tier. And I think different people could have those guys lined up differently. I like Carlos Basham, you know, the 283. Uh, he's measured at 279 to 283 so far. He's measured in twice, once at the Senior Bowl, once at his pro day. Had a great pro day. Um, Basham kind of looked like he took a step back this year. I think part of it was, was just it, he, they were starting to let him freelance a little bit more this year. And he does try to play a little bit lighter than he is, and by that I mean like play like he has the body of somebody who's 243, 250. Meanwhile, he's 280. He can run through guys. If he uses a little bit more of that power, I think you would see him, and I think a lot of teams are going to want to see him do that. So I think he's a guy who's maybe getting left out of the first round, who's probably going to go in the first round, who's going to go in the top 40 picks. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of those teams that want him as their base 4-3 D-end maybe kick him into three tech on some like you know some real rushing downs like at third and long so i like carlos basham a lot um let's see what i have if i pull up his notes because i watched him early on too um measurements saw on the acc network he weighed in at 274 on the pro day his fastest 40 time was between 459 to the four sixes really good for a defensive lineman um, hand side. Let's see. Did he get three cone? Three cone was seven one three. But you're talking about a guy who, again, and not like I said, there's like a, a threshold. Seven two seven is kind of like average. Seven one three. You're getting closer to that seven marker is really good. And once you get underneath seven, that's elite level uh, prowess. Um, four two five short shuttle. Uh, has almost an eighty inch wingspan. Six three. He's kind of he he's built weird. He's kind of built like a like a block of crazy um you know he has good awareness of where the ball is going on a play and, and shows he doesn't like quitting chases down guys from behind now a lot of times that's giving up actually where you're supposed to be on the play you're supposed to you know like i've seen him try and chase down etn on the opposite side of a run play um you know i've seen him sometimes get pushed back but he can you you know uh and blown off the uh, line of scrimmage in the run game. I feel like he can get a little bit better at that. You know, it gets lost in the sauce sometimes. 
but he can beat guys around the corner. And if he figured out that you don't even have to beat him around the corner, you have the power to bull rush him and just beat them. I think utilizing that would be to his advantage. Now, he is a little bit older of a prospect. He's going to be, I think, 24 next year. So, again, I think some teams might shy away from him. I think that's really the main thing, keeping him out of the first round. That, and he had a little bit down of a tape in 2020 compared to his 2019. Probably should have came out a year ago, and he probably would have gone in the first two rounds anyway. Um, I, I think he's absolutely a dynamite option. If, if he was two years younger, I think we'd be talking about him in the top 20. Um, again, I, I like Basham a lot. I think he's probably one of my favorite players in this draft class. I have him right behind OA, but I, again, I see why people might like different people differently. Next on the list is Joseph Osai. Um, I've watched him more recently than Carlos Basham. I think almost like a month and a half later than Basham. And what I like about Osai is he's got a high motor, good straight line power, and good straight line speed. The issue with Osai is he does not show a lot of lateral quickness, and he skipped the three cone, and it kind of shows in his tape that he's very much reminds me of Bud Dupree, and I think in a good way, too, because Bud Dupree was a solid player. I don't think Bud Dupree is a great pass rusher. I think he's a solid pass rusher. I think the Steelers would probably love to get Joseph Osai on their team to be the guy opposite uh, T.J. Watt. Um, I think he is not the guy you want as your true number one edge rusher. But if he is part of your rot- if he's part of your team, if especially you're running a lot of three four, if you're like the Steelers, you run that old style three four defense. I think that's a guy who you can bring him in, and he can create a little bit of havoc. Now, I don't think the Steelers necessarily take him because they have um, they ha- Highsmith played really well last year. They actually have a lot more needs than they do on on defense in other spots, including. Uh, corner uh and they also need offensive line like crazy you know ben roethlisberger is going to get brutalized if they don't figure out the offensive line situation so uh osai i like a lot like i said i think uh, the perfect comp for him is bud dupree uh because again i I, he has the same issue he doesn't really have the same he doesn't have lateral quickness like you know like some of the other edge rushers that i have above him um but i like the motor I, you know, he's relatively new to the position. He previously played off the ball linebacker, which again, I think a three-four team would really like, uh, especially if you run a lot of three, you know, a true three-four defense. Uh, I, I think a lot of teams will like Osai a lot. Um, Gregory Rousseau and Peyton Turner are next on this uh, tier. Rousseau, I I loved Rousseau as far as kind of like the concept art, right? Like early on, you're looking at him, you're seeing the the early version of it, like the mock-up version of what he can be, right? And the problem is when he played in college, he was rushing against guards and centers and guys who are going to be working for the U.S. Postal Service this year and not often winning off the edge against tackles. Uh, he's got length and he's got... He's got some quickness to him. He's not great. He's not the fastest prospect as far as D linemen go. Uh, and I think that might be one of the the forty times might be the more suspect times that you get as far as uh, as far as the this uh, pro day season. So his uh, vertical wasn't good. His three cone was horrible. Um, that's not to say like you you judge based off of only that. The issue with uh, Gregory Rousseau is we have not seen him play in over a year, right? And when he played previously, he was 245 pounds. Then he comes in for the pro day, he's 267 pounds. He gained 22 pounds in a year, 
and probably gained it pretty well. Like honestly, I think he pro- I think he's probably fine with how he's built himself up. The issue with Gregory Rousseau is, is okay, you're not going to be just rushing against guards and, and centers anymore. You can't line you up at zero tech. You're going to get blown off the line of scrimmage. Um, maybe they try him more at three tech. Maybe he kind of starts out as a base D end and then kicks in on rushing downs, and I could totally see that working for him. The issue with him not having a great pro day after a year of being off is I don't know what he is, right? Um, he could be Calais Campbell. The thing is, I think Carlos Basham is probably closer to what you want to be Gregory Rousseau or the eventual. Now, granted, Rousseau is way different in size. Rousseau, let's see if I have the measurements here available to me. Um, uh, it's got to be here somewhere. I don't know if I, I saved it on here. Rousseau's got the arm, like, legit arm length. Like, one of the things that he's going to have over guys, no matter what, is um he's got that legit crazy length. I think it was like 84 inches. He's got he's got some real big vines. So, you know, the question is is he Clay's Campbell or is he like uh, the Cincinnati Bengals former defensive end Michael Johnson where he's going to be okay, maybe at most a 10 sack a year guy. Um or could he be Carlos Dunlap? Could he be like this guy who has this crazy ass length and be able to utilize it to to push tackles and guards into the the laps of their, you know, of their the quarterback? And I think that's possible. He also did not show a big repertoire of pass rush moves. Like I said, he had a harder time winning off the edge as he did say winning up the middle. Um, I think he's going to be a fun prospect. I think he will have a, a good career. I don't think he goes in the first round. I think he's more of a second to third round guy. And what that makes me think is, listen, there's going to be you know teams that like him for certain roles and maybe to rotate in and utilize this new big body that he has that he's kind of bulked up on. Remember, on tape, he doesn't look that big. He looks like kind of a twig. And he's got like weird size and weird length. And he wasn't even that quick at 245, which is why I wanted to see his pro day numbers. And when the pro day numbers came back, not bad, but kind of more meh. I, I kind of get why people are a little out on him. I still think he's a top 60 prospect. I still think he goes in the first two rounds. I still think he could possibly – I think he's still solid at that point. But he didn't show the hand usage that I want to see. Um, He didn't show the pass rush moves that you would want to see on the edge. And that's why Rousseau, to me, is probably uh, a little bit – you know, he's in this Tier 3 mold. Uh, after Rousseau, I have Peyton Turner. Peyton Turner's a fun one because he's changed shape. He's he's adapted his size, right? He went from 290, he went, came in at 270, played at 290 one year, and then he came back and played at 270 when they needed an edge again. And there are things that he does really well. He's got good movement skills, good hand usage. Um, I think sometimes he lacks a little bit of core strength and I, I think he is going to have issues with that. But again, like when you're looking at things like pass rush win rate, well, the reason why his pass rush win rate wasn't great every year was because sometimes he was playing D tackle. So you're in a different you're in a different position at that point. Um, I think that there's I think there's people who have him even higher. I think people have him ahead of Osai and even ahead of Basham um, and Rousseau. I, I like Turner. I would even have him ahead of Rousseau. I can see it depends on the team. Uh, the thing is, you didn't see him play against a lot of high-end competition. He's another one of those guys where, like, I think his best uh, game against competition was 
uh, Brady Christensen, BYU. And he did, you know, that was a good back and forth. Both those guys seemed to have a, a good solid game between the two of them. And he won some reps, and he showed some good hand usage. And But again, like it wasn't like it was a flat-out he beat him every single second. He had some good reps. He had some good wins. Uh, Christensen was able to – but he, he showed the ability to try to bulldoze through Christensen a couple of times. So he has a good bull rush move, again, at 270 to be able to go through the guy. Um, he does have some good counters, and he does have some ways of beating you around the outside. He showed a good – just watching the BYU film alone, and I actually watched more than just the BYU film. Um, Where is it? Peyton Turner? Yes. Uh, didn't participate in the 40-yard dash, 35-and-a-half vert. Six seven three cone. So that's where the thir- uh, the movement skills come in. Six two uh, four two five four uh, sh- uh, short shuttle. Um, for uh, UCF, I watched where he caused a sack, fumble, uh, dipped under the outside shoulder of the right tackle, cornered and bended really well. After that sack, uh, was double teamed a lot. Not just good on pass rush, but good as a base D end in the run game. Good power. Uh, usually isn't winning pass rush reps through guys. Um, usually when he gets the outside edge where he corners well. That kind of makes sense. Although, again, Brady Christensen, he did bull rush him. So it wasn't like that's the only thing he's ever done. Uh, I, I think that, and then again, UCF, probably not the best offensive line, but you can only use what you see in front of you. Um, he did miss a, a QB keeper on the two-lane game on an RPO. Um, forced a couple of holds. Didn't get the call though, it, it, so Turner Turner is one of those guys I think is that in that round two range could be very good. Um, and I I like Turner. I could see taking Turner ahead of Osai and Rousseau. I could see him being the guy. Like I I could see like of those four guys liking him the best. I do. Um, I would probably take him ahead of Rousseau. It depends on how I wanted to use him in my roster construction. It's the same thing I said with Jalen Phillips. I would take Jalen Phillips if I'm Miami because I could take him at 18 or I could take, I could trade up into the first round with my, my first second round pick and get Jalen Phillips. And that's now my like second, it's one of my four picks in the top 50. Like that's not a bad situation to be in for one of those picks to maybe not work out. If you're you're Miami, to take Jalen Phillips is not a big deal. So I think there's going to be some teams that look at you know Osai is a better fit because you know he's got that you know straight line speed. He, you know I think he jumped a four and a uh, forty and a half vertical. Um, again, didn't test in the three cone, but again is a high end motor, relatively new to the position, and shows at least some. Uh, uh, not just like he actually shows like good hand movement, uh, hand usage. So again. Osai, I, I like quite a bit. Rousseau, I like quite a bit. Peyton Turner. All these guys are round two guys for me. I wouldn't mind taking them anytime on day two. Um, especially, you know, in the second round, I would take any three, any of one of these guys. Uh, the next group of guys are more of the third round pick guys. Tier four I'm at now. And it's Ronnie Perkins, Joe Tryon, Ellerson Smith. And I think those guys I would take in the third round. Joe Tryon, I think, is probably getting a lot of first-round hype. I don't think he's a first-round guy. I think he's a third-round pick. Uh, it's almost the two different types of players, though, between Ronnie Perkins and Joe Tryon. Uh, Ronnie Perkins is a guy who did not test athletically well, has a weird-shaped body. Again, he's, uh, solid length. I think he's going to be okay. 
didn't test as well. Even like I think I think he's discounted Aziz Ojolari. Now he had uh, a high pass rush win rate. Again, one of those guys where yes, he had that, but it came against competition that wasn't necessarily the greatest. So again, Ronnie Perkins and Joe Joe Tryon. I could see, like, end of the second, top of the third. You still want an edge rusher to kind of throw in the mix. So I like Perkins and Tryon. I like Tryon somewhere in the third round. Um, two guys I have as third-round picks that, you know, probably will go in the fourth, Rashad Weaver and Quincy Roche, and I think they're solid guys. I don't think they have the ceiling as the rest of the ceiling, quote-unquote, of the, the rest of the guys in this uh, in my edge rusher rankings. So, you know, where are we at? We're now we had three the three in tier one, then OA, then yeah, we're now at like basically the 13, 14, 15 marker. Um I like Rashad Weaver. I would totally take him to be my base D end. Um he reminds me of Sam Hubbard out of uh the Bengals when he came out of Ohio State. Now uh Weaver's a bit older. He shows great hand usage. Um, gets his hands in the air. Honestly, he's great at the tip ball thing. Just get your hands in the air like you just don't care. So I like Rashad Weaver quite a bit. If you're looking for a guy to be a base 4-3 D end who can give a little bit in the, the pass rush department, uh, he also, I think, actually had a really good three cone as well. I think he had a sub-7 three cone as well. So I was a little shocked by that. Um, oh, here's Joe Tryon's numbers, right? Arm length, 82 and three quarters. I think that's why people are going to be really eager about Joe Tryon. Um, I think he showed really good lateral mobility, um, some solid hand usage. And apparently he's like bulked up, right? He's got, and it's weird because his, his three cone was a 718. And if you had told me it was below seven, I would have been like not shocked. Um, ran a 46440. I think I'd be a little bit more skeptical about the 40s. Um, Came in at 259, 6'5", uh, 10 and a quarter inch hands. Uh, I, I Like I said, Tryon's an interesting one because sometimes he looks like he has no clue being there and he gets washed out. And then sometimes, man, he just beats a guy around the corner uh, very well on pass rush reps. Uh, could beat guys with a bull rush. Has a solid understanding of like his pass rushing moves. And this is a guy who opted out this year and spent a lot of time kind of developing a, I guess developing his body to test well so uh, Washington has kind of a weird defense they ran a lot of this uh, three down lineman you'll hear me talk about it with Levi and Wuzuriki, um as well it's to get this guy who's like first off you're not really getting to see him win true pass rush reps because you know you're dealing with a lot of double teams because you're running three against five so they did a lot of drop, uh, you know, drop eight in coverage. Uh, like I said before, try on corners well. Um, he got dropped in the coverage a couple of times. I'm not quite sure you want to do that too much. Uh, like I said, the lateral movement is definitely there. Uh, showed a bit of effort and plan on a, a few of his rushes as well. And I think that's something that, like, when you have a pass rusher that shows he has a pass rush plan, I think it shows that he will get better over time. Um, there was a good rep by, against the right tackle where he fakes a step inside and beats his dude to the outside shoulder, gets clean and pressures the QB. Um, 
I, I think one of the games he sets the inside of the tackle and rushes to the outside, then bounces back in. So he has a plan when he's rushing the passer. He, you know, you, he'll set up one way, and he knows which way he's going here. And I like that a lot. Uh, I see why people like him. I could see. I, I can't see him over the guys in the tier above him. Is my issue. Like I can't see him over Joseph Osai. Um, or Gregory Rousseau, and I think he could even have a better career than those guys. I would take him above Ronnie Perkins um, because I think Ronnie Perkins, I I do like him, but I, again, I think Ronnie Perkins is solidly maybe end of the second, like top 70 kind of guy where you, you need a guy to maybe be a 3-4 outside linebacker. Maybe I, I think Baltimore Ravens would be a perfect fit for Ronnie Perkins, replacing Matt Judon, getting a guy who – you know, is going to be able to drop into coverage and then, like, kind of get him on weird blitzes and stunts. Um, Joe Tryon, I think a lot of teams are going to like Joe Tryon. He's probably going to go higher than I expect because, again, he showed some real athleticism at his pro day. Uh, again, he's got some vines himself. So if you're, if you're looking at Joe Tryon versus Gregory Rousseau, both guys have opted out, but one of them tested way better than the other one, you might like Joe Tryon over Gregory Rousseau. Um, I think Greg Rousseau is just a different kind of cat, though. Uh, and again, uh, Rashad Weaver and Quincy Rocher are guys who they are very much dependent on the scheme that they are going to be in. Uh, let's see who we got here. I got to find the Ro – I think Rocher was like the third guy I watched this year. And he's kind of cool because if you're running a 3-4, I think he's going to be useful for you. He's going to be like like Alex Highsmith was last year where he came out and went to the Steelers and then he had to replace Bud Dupree and he actually kind of was a solid replacement for Bud Dupree for a bit of it. Um I don't think he I I don't think he's going to be uh, a world beater for you, but I think he's going to be a solid rusher for you. Uh Rashad Weaver. And again, cuz the thing I like about Roche is he can drop a little bit into coverage as well. Rashad Weaver, uh, like I said, good hands, good strength, gets his hands up in the air. Uh, right off the top with the Miami U game, says reminds me of Sam Hubbard. Uh, goes up well against Liam Eikenberg, who ro rode him past the pocket a couple of times, but did get a couple of run stops early. Uh, beat the right tackle for a pressure. Beats this guy in an inside spin. Um, again, he, he has good power. He's going to be like that, like I said, Sam Hubbard, 4-3 DN. Uh, guys who I might be looking at, maybe round four, round five, uh, Cam Sample of Tulane. He's kind of a bit of a tweener. I think some teams might like him as maybe, you know, a 4-3 D end or maybe a 3-4 D end and kind of kick him inside a little bit. Uh, those are guys who I think have a little bit of a, a high upside kind of day three kind of pickup, can be a rotational player for you. But, again, I so that is... 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 edge rushers that I have for you today. Um, again, Jalen Phillips, Quidipe, Aziz Ojolari. I think whatever team takes one of those guys, you can't go wrong. Owe is just this crazy athletic talent. I think he kind of got a little misused when he was with Penn State. Carlos Basham, Joseph Osai, Gregory Rousseau, Peyton Turner, all guys I would take You know, anywhere from pick 33 to pick 54 like anywhere in that pick 60 pick 64 like i would take those guys day two 
Uh, Ronnie Perkins, Joe Tryon, Ellerson Smith, I would take those guys probably, if I was pinched, I would maybe take them, like, you know, second round, maybe in the third round. I would probably lean more trying to take them in the third round. Rashad Weaver and Quincy Roche, I could see taking them at the end of the third round. Even a little bit higher, depending on where the other guys go. It's just the fact that it's such a deep draft that these guys might have gone in a different spot in prior years. Uh, Cam Sample, I think probably more day three guys you're going to, st- you know. And uh, that's it. I can't believe that was all. I, uh, 40 minutes. Okay, that's perfect. That's that's right in the marker. Uh, I'll be doing a live draft show in Nanuet, New York at the Spot Billiards. Um, and it will be live streamed on this channel. Uh, the night of the draft, 7.30, we're going to go live right before the draft, Eastern Standard Time. Uh, we're going to be in the heart of New York, Nanuet. If you want, you can follow the podcast at DraftVice on Twitter, at DraftVice underscore football on Instagram. And you can follow me at B-R-O-J-O. Death is in the end of life. Punch like a delicious drink you drink in the summer. And yes, uh, tune in next time for where I wear my pants on the outside, but you still can't see because I shoot this all from the chest up. Goodbye. I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. I'm about to pass. I'm about to pee.